This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, November 17th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, sporting outbreak increases COVID caseload in San Miguel, concealed carry approved at Norwood schools, Telski delays opening day, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, the town of Telluride is closing a portion of Tomboy Road this week to replace a water valve. The road will be closed to vehicle traffic starting at the address 106 Tomboy Road beginning at 9 a.m. on Thursday, November 18th. Foot traffic will still be allowed. A sporting event led to 18 San Miguel County residents testing positive for COVID-19 over the past week. It was an out-of-county event, um, and the state as a whole has been working together to get a better sense of the scale. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin speaking at a Board of County Commissioners meeting on Wednesday. Right now it looks like there's about 40 people affected um, as in they are infectious with the virus. And then there's several other people that are currently quarantined for being a close contact. She notes currently 26 residents are active with COVID, all in the Telluride area, with 14 children under the age of 12 testing positive in the last week. Franklin adds there has also been a higher number of students testing positive for COVID and attending school. But the spread hasn't really been as significant Um, So it really does show the preventative measures in the school settings have um, been uh, beneficial overall, um, seeing that we haven't had as significant of outbreaks, even though we continue to see um, cases crop up in the school settings. San Miguel County's increase in cases comes as Colorado's numbers for both hospitalization and incident rate grow as well. Really within the state of Colorado, cases have been on a rise since um, August, so about three months of um, positive incline. However, since October, um, this um, curve of cases and case rates has really risen progressively in a much more dramatic Fashion. Currently, Colorado is ranked seventh out of 51 in the U.S. for hospitalization rates. What does that mean for San Miguel County? Our transfer status, so the ability for medical centers like TMC, UMC to send patients um, has become more and more strained. Um, the only place right now that is accepting um, transfers in the Western Slope is Mercy because um, they have some med surge capacity, but that's it. Franklin says limited transfer ability impacts the county twofold. That one requires our EMS, EMT services to travel further um, to be able to take patients to a local great um, place, but then strains our local capacity. But then also um, for the patient to delay um really um, strong care right at the hospital um, each minute, you know, it takes to get there. It delays it. According to Franklin, pre-pandemic, roughly 70 percent of transfers went to Montrose Memorial Hospital, with 30 percent to St. Mary's in Grand Junction or other regional or state facilities. Currently, it's completely flip-flopped, where 70 percent of our patients have been um, being sent to St. Mary's. Um, so another extra hour or so of a, a drive And then um, 0% has been going to Montrose Memorial. 30% has been going to other regions in the state or even out of state. So just the impact on the individual, the costs, um, and then being able to get care um, really diminishes. 
In one positive pandemic note, Franklin says booster and flu vaccine uptake has been solid in the county. The state health bus that was in the region last week administered over 700 COVID vaccines, a mix of first, second, booster and pediatric shots. The bus also administered nearly 150 flu shots. For public health's part, Franklin notes the county has administered over 500 flu shots so far. That's more than the department even had on hand last year. There are still a number of COVID and flu vaccine clinics coming up. Registration is available at sanmiguelcountyco.gov slash coronavirus. Some Norwood Public School teachers and staff will soon carry concealed weapons on school grounds. Reporting for KOTO News, Kara Pallone has the story on the district's controversial decision. All right, I've got a motion and a second. Discussion is over. Call the question, please. Mr. Bray. The Norwood School District Board of Directors approved a school safety resolution Tuesday night that will allow trained staff to carry handguns on school property. The district says the decision is for the protection of students and staff in the event of an active shooter or armed intruder at the school. Board members emphasize that the action is one part of a multi-layered security plan the district is implementing. Board President Mike Morling. It's all going to come together into a a solution that will best protect our students and staff. That's, that's where we're at. Board member Reagan Snyder says the armed security officers are the final layer of the plan that they hope never has to be deployed. And that's truly, we hope that that never, never happens. But in the case that it does, it's one more measure that could potentially save lives. School employees can now apply for an extra duty security assignment in a confidential manner. Those who pass the screening process and meet basic qualifications will be allowed to enter the training program to become a security officer. Not all of the volunteers who apply for security assignments will be carrying weapons and will take on other roles and responsibilities. The meeting was held in the nearby community of Redvale at the community center rather than in Norwood. Morling says this was an effort to be more accessible to parents who live elsewhere in the district. Due to the lack of internet at the center, there was no Zoom option for Tuesday's meeting. About 20 people attended the meeting, a number of whom offered public comment commending the school board for implementing a security plan. Brandy Griffith lives in Dry Creek Basin and has two children in the Norwood schools. I wanted to offer my continued support for the security plan. Um, I'm really excited about the board continuing to move forward with it. Um, I will be honest and say I would like it to pass whether it was have the support of the community or not, but I was glad to see that the little circle graph that was posted said it did have the majority support of the community. No one spoke in opposition at Tuesday's meeting. Discussions on the topic first began in June, and the idea has been met with both support and resistance along the way. Those in opposition have said arming teachers is dangerous, and it's not an effective way to stop active shooters. The school safety resolution was approved unanimously. As for the timeline for training and implementation, board member Walt Forney explains there will not be notification that teachers and staff are armed. We're going to move forward and there's not going to be a big announcement. You know, we've got our first armed staff on site. There's not going to be a big announcement. We now have half a dozen. I mean, part of the whole thing is the bad guys don't know when the first person is going to be on site. The bad guys don't know how many people are, are on site. So... As of 2018, at least 30 Colorado school districts and charter schools allowed teachers to carry guns, many of them rural. 
Board members point to Norwood's remote location as a primary reason for implementing the security plan. The district was advised by the San Miguel County Sheriff that they should plan on being self-sufficient for up to 40 minutes before sheriff deputies could arrive at the school in an emergency. For KOTO News, I'm Kara Pallone. The Telluride Ski Resort is delaying opening day to December 3rd. But according to Scott Pittenger, director of mountain operations at Telski, there isn't cause for full season concern. It's really no indication of how the season is going to go. Telski pushed back its opening day in both 2017 and 2016. 17-18 was, was an all-around terrible year for all of Colorado and the Southwest. Um, but that year preceding, um, again, we were just struck by these above average temperatures for November. Um, ended up being another 300 plus inches uh, during the ski season. So, um, you know, we're still optimistic about how the season's going to go. And, you know, the snowmakers, they were working on cranking things up as we speak right now. So we're taking advantage of just every single moment we can to, to make snow and um, just dealing with some above average temps right now. He says the decision to push the season back by a week allows the resort to open with the skiing they think locals and guests deserve. We want to provide that consistent product, you know, and and for us that means wall-to-wall -wall skiing uh, with good coverage and top to bottom on the white stuff. Um, you know, we're not going to build a you know, white ribbon out there where people are skiing off the edges and the whole thing is rope and boo. Um, you know, we have a certain standard and, and we're just not willing to compromise on, on some of those standards. And Pittenger adds they'll work as hard as they can to open up as much terrain as possible. You know, we've never tried to like withhold terrain from the public. You know, if something is safe and it's ready for the public, we're going to give it to them. That terrain will also be more, at least when it comes to gladed skiing. We spent a bunch of time in the woods this year. We took a big focus on forest health and forest management and, you know, took down a lot of dead and dying trees and, um, you know, mitigating fire risk. And, you know, the best thing about forest health treatments and wildfire mitigation is it makes for really good skiing. He says there are new glades in the lift 5 and 10 areas. We spent a lot of time on our steeper terrain over the past few years and uh, we felt the need to kind of diversify what we were offering and provide that progression for our guests to uh, to get to the level where they can ski some of those glades off of lift nine and over in the six area um, by offering that opportunity to kind of bounce in and out of the woods some other places. According to Pittenger, the resort has also made a number of changes and upgrades in an effort to become more sustainable and efficient moving forward. This year, you know, our biggest focus was on um, an upgrade to our snowmaking system towards more automation, you know, which we've already seen pay off. Um, you know, we have a significant amount of our machines and guns are now um, automated to the point where when it get cold, gets cold outside, they'll turn on. Um, and then when it warms up, they turn off. Telski also added some new snow fencing to capture as much snow as possible when it blows across the ridgeline. 
moving off the slopes themselves, Pittenger says Telski hasn't been immune from the national and local staffing challenges. But he adds the resort does have enough employees to be fully operational for the season. In addition, from a COVID standpoint, Pittenger says staff need to either be vaccinated or comply with regular testing. But from a skier perspective, COVID regulations will be more relaxed this season. Per the county mask mandate, masks will be required in indoor public spaces, like restaurants and bathrooms. But in a change from last season, they will not be required on the lifts or in lift lines. You'll be able to get on the lift and not have to worry about wearing a mask for the rest of the day. We're looking forward to a much more normal year on the mountain this year. Winter sport enthusiasts will need to wait a little longer than anticipated for what will hopefully be an epic winter. But it won't be too long before young and old will be bombing down the mountain on two sticks or one board. From the personal to the community, national to world, there's been a lot of grief and hardship over the past year. I've always loved grief work. I've always cared about it. And I think one of the things that happens when people are grieving or struggling is that you get into this really isolated place where you you judge, you pull out your measuring stick and you judge the way you're doing it or you feel completely alone. It is such an intense experience for people. That's Ray Schaffner, a licensed counselor in Telluride, and one of the three individuals hosting an AccuWellness gathering and grief event at the library this week. And so the idea from this was just to be like, what if we just had a place for people to just see each other, you know, without necessarily having to delve deep into it, but just like that exchange of empathy. Like, I know what pain feels like. I know what loss feels like. I know what fear feels like. Schaffner notes the event is not a conversation or group work. It's an opportunity to sit in connection with others and utilize acupuncture to work through whatever grief an individual might have. Diane Atkinson is a trained acupuncturist and one of the others hosting the event. She says when people arrive, they will be offered a seat. We'll swab out their ears with an alcohol wipe and um, put in five needles in each ear. And then they just sit back and try to relax. We'll have some some, you know, soothing music playing. Atkinson notes the event is similar to one they hosted in September. You could see people really being very internal, um, breathing. Um, you could see sometimes a lot of intense emotions would come up and then kind of pass away. Sometimes people wanted to talk about it. Sometimes people were just in their own space kind of experiencing whatever came up. But for Schaffner, it's as much about the stillness as it is the needles. There's as much value as in the slowing down um, as there is in the needles. We live in an endlessly distracted world, you know, all of us. Like sometimes just being with these emotions are uncomfortable or they're untimely. And so even if you just create this pocket of space of 15 minutes for people to not like your, you don't have your cell phone in your hand, you don't, you know, have a drink in your hand, you're, you're not, you know, you're not skiing the mountain, just you take away these things that, you know, sometimes are wonderful distractions and sometimes are just distractions and, and uh, just create a space. The gathering and grief event will take place at the library on Thursday, November 18th from 3 to 6 p.m. Individuals can register at telluridelibrary.org or just show up. Participants are welcome to stay for as long or short as they see fit. 
When it comes to being creative, a little space never hurts. Telluride Arts is offering a new studio space in Ilium for artists to sublet. Workspaces range from 60 to 120 square feet and are available 24 hours a day with Wi-Fi. There is also locked storage. According to Telluride Arts, the Ilium Studios can support a range of artistic pursuits, including digital media, jewelry making, painting, collage, sculpture, and ceramics. Studios will be available to rent on a first-come, first-served basis. Anyone interested in learning more can reach out via info at telluridearts.org. The pilot of a single-engine air tanker died in a crash on Tuesday night while fighting a wildfire outside Estes Park. According to the Larimer County Sheriff's Office, the pilot was the only occupant of the aircraft. Federal investigators will assist with the investigation into the crash. The crash occurred during response to the Kruger Rock Fire. The fire caught on Tuesday morning on the southwest side of Estes Park. Over 150 personnel responded to the fire. The cause is unknown. The sheriff's office says due to steep terrain, gusting winds, and low humidity, the fire spread quickly and threatened several structures. Over 1,500 contacts have been told to evacuate the area, according to the sheriff's office. The American Red Cross has set up an evacuation center to assist with the response. The fire is currently burning approximately 140 acres with 15% containment. A former Republican state representative from Arvada has launched a campaign for state treasurer. Lang Sias says having Democrats in control of every statewide office has caused inflation and made Colorado a less affordable place to live. He faces an uphill battle against incumbent Dave Young, a Greeley Democrat who beat his last Republican challenger by 7% in 2018. Young has raised almost $250,000 for his re-election bid. Sias is the first Republican candidate to announce his campaign. He was Walker Stapleton's running mate during his failed run for governor. Sias is currently a pilot for FedEx. The humpback chub, an important fish species in the Colorado River Basin, moves from endangered to threatened starting Thursday. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. The species was listed as endangered more than 50 years ago when new dams on the river interfered with its whitewater habitats in Colorado, Utah, and Arizona. The new status marks progress, but conservationists like Jen Pels with Wild Earth Guardians say it's not the right move downlisting isn't the answer. I think that you keep doing the things and you keep justifying the program because it's clearly working. There's it, the, the species is not as in dire state as it was, you know, 30 years ago. But the reality is, is that, you know, one project on a certain tributary could completely wipe out the species. The humpback chub is seen as an indicator species when it's doing well. So is the river. But Pels also said the effects of climate change could further threaten the fish. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 20 degrees. Thursday should be mostly sunny during the day and mostly cloudy at night with a high near 50 degrees and a low around 30. Friday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high near 50. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Friday night should be partly cloudy with a low around 30 degrees. This has been the news for Wednesday, November 17th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, 
call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hey, Coda listeners. This is Jacqueline with Eco Action Partners and the CARE Program, also called the SMPA IQ Weatherization Program. The CARE Program is for renters and homeowners alike. If you live in a house, a mobile home, apartment, duplex, condo, a structure, then this applies to you. The CARE Program offers free energy efficiency upgrades for you, saving you tons of money on your energy bills this year. We come in and evaluate your home for free, install the upgrades for free, and make the home improvements happen for you, all for free for you. This is paid for by your local utility companies, San Miguel Power Association, and Black Hills Energy, in conjunction with EcoAction Partners in Energy Outreach Colorado. So how do you apply? Go online to ecoactionpartners.org and click on SMPA IQ Weatherization for more information or call Eco Action Partners at 970-728-1340. Again, that's ecoactionpartners.org or call 970-728-1340. Save money on your energy bills and make your home more comfortable this winter season. Hello there, Kodo listeners. It's Sarah Holbrook here, the executive director of the Pinhead Institute. I've got so many cool programs to tell you about. But first, let's talk about the longest lunar eclipse coming up. It's the longest one in the past nearly 600 years the craziest thing. The reason it's going to last so long and it starts Thursday night and finishes Friday morning at around 5.03 a.m. The reason it lasts so long is because now the moon is pretty darn far away from us. I think that's called the apogee as opposed to the perigee when it's closest to Earth. In the perigee, it's only 222,000 miles from Earth, whereas in the apogee, it's 252,000 miles away. Uh, So I guess it gets 30,000 more miles away from us in its farthest point from us than its nearest point from us. But anyhow, the lunar eclipse is going to last for over six hours, starting... mm, Thursday night at 11.02 p.m. and ending at 5.03 a.m. Friday morning. So don't miss it. And the kind of cool thing about the areas where Pinhead serves, um, and that would be Telluride, Ridgeway, Ure, Norwood, Nucla, Natarita, Paradox, Montrose, Olathe, Cortez, and Dolores, um, where we bring fantastic STEM education programs to all those areas. A lot of those same areas are also dark night sky areas. And that means you can look up in the night and you don't have a lot of light pollution to get in the way of the stars. Um, well, I did mention at the beginning of this little, uh, announcement that we have a lot of amazing programs coming up later in November and December. And the first one is Science Above Our Skies, the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. It's a four-part series starting November 30th, then December 2nd, 7th, and 9th. So it's Tuesdays and Thursdays after school from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. Um, And that's for middle schoolers, high schoolers as well, anybody interested in space. It's going to be amazing. Then we have the Hour of Code coming up Monday, December 6th at the library from 3.30 to 5.30. That's the Wilkinson Library. We're also offering a kitchen science holiday suites at AHA. 
um, and that's three weeks um, starting November 30th through December 13th. And then we have a free holiday ornament making at the Pinhead STEM Lab where we collaborate with the AHA School and the wonderful people from the Wilkinson Public Library. That is at the Pinhead STEM Lab at the high school here in Telluride both December 10th and December 17th. Those are two Fridays in a row for free. So don't miss out on all our amazing Pinhead programs. Check it all out at pinheadinstitute.org. This is Sarah Holbrook signing off. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Cutout. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.